0: Hello, Praise Chapel Paramount. This is Pastor Omar Lopez. We continued our series on proximity, walking close with God. I talked about how Enoch walked with God and he pleased God, his faith in God. In a time where people were not walking with God, Enoch walked with God 365 years. The Lord was with him and blessed him. And so I pray that this message will encourage you To walk with God. Are you glad you're in the house of God today? Turn to someone and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. Well, we're glad you're here today. We uh, just uh, had a great wonderful service at the nine o'clock and uh, the hour makes a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, well, some of you are lying. It had made a difference to me. And so one hour makes a big... But I think I'm up now. I think I'm right awake now. Uh, I was having trouble this morning, but uh, I'm glad I'm here. And uh, we, we get more daylight, right? More daylight. That's what it's all about. But we're in this series called Proximity. And we're talking about walking in proximity with God. And the word proximity means closeness or nearness. You probably heard the term close proximity... And many many times you hear that, but actually proximity does mean closeness and does mean nearness. And so when you walk in proximity with someone, you are deeply influenced by that person's life. The closer you are in proximity with someone, the more affected you are, right? So as a believer, if we're going to live to the fullest that God has for our life, we got to walk in proximity with God. And as we get close to him, uh, the, greater, the greater we begin to learn and walk with him. And of course, uh, when we walk in proximity with the wrong people, how many know before Christ we were hanging with the wrong people? And we had wrong proximity, it drew us away from God. And so the Bible speaks about walking, and it's referring to a lifestyle, it's referring to a way of life, uh, that is to become our way of life when we walk in alignment with God. So out of Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we're going to show that verse of Scripture here, verse number 5. I want to focus on a man by the name of Enoch and this tremendous testimony of who Enoch was. And it says this, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God translated him. For before his translation this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I like what it says here that Enoch pleased God. And by the way, if we please God, it doesn't matter who we displease. And if we displease God, it doesn't matter who we please. Am I right? So let me pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for truth that speaks forth from your word. Help us, God, to receive that truth. Help us, God, today to uh, just be open to that. Remove every distraction. So many things that are on our minds today, even as we come into the house of God. And so many things that we think about the rest of the week, but Lord, let us clear our minds from those things right now and give you our 100% undivided attention. So I pray today, God, let us receive the word and God, let us be blessed by the word. Let it come alive. I pray that you would anoint every word that I speak today and that the people of God would hear the voice behind the voice in the wonderful name of Jesus. Somebody say, amen. And so the way to please God, according to Scripture, is to have faith in God. And Enoch had this faith in God. And his claim to fame, is because he had so much faith in God, that he walked with God. Or he walked in proximity with God. He walked so closely with God, that he never died a physical death. But the Bible says that he was not found, or he was translated Into heaven. That's what most of us say. Man, I don't want to die. Just translate me into heaven. Well, if you walk with God, you'll never know. But the Bible says here that Hebrews chapter 11 is referencing the story of Enoch in Genesis chapter 5. In fact, there are three places in Scripture that it talks about Enoch, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. But in Genesis chapter 5, it actually tells us about Enoch walking with God. But before I even read that verse of Scripture, whenever you turn to Genesis chapter 5, maybe when you go home today, it's actually kind of a, a gloomy verse of Scripture as you begin to read on because it almost looks like an arbitrary column. It's kind of like the death chapter. As you begin to read, I'll I'll read a few verses here out of Genesis chapter 5, verse 5. It says, And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years. And what happened? And he died. Seth lived 105 years and became the father of Enoch. Seth, Seth lived after the birth of Enoch 807 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth were 912 years. And what happened? And he died. So it tells about all these certain people, tells about how long they live, but the same reoccurring theme is happening over and over in in Genesis chapter 5, and it's the phrase, and he died over and over, no matter who the person was, no matter how long they lived, because the Bible said they lived for hundreds of years, it still ultimately ended in what? And they died. And so the phrase is actually a confirmation of God's word. How many know God's words always come true? And God said this was exactly what would happen to man when they disobeyed God, that they would die. If you remember, if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, God had told them that don't eat, you can have everything you want in this garden. But don't eat of the one thing or the, uh, of the one tree that's in the center of the garden, because the day that you do it, you will surely die. In other words, you can have everything else, but you can't have this. And what, what do we want? Usually the stuff we can't have, right? And so the Bible says, uh, when God said that, that the serpent or the enemy said, God did not say that you will surely die. Isn't it like the devil? He always tells you the opposite, right? Always tells you, oh, that won't happen. It's the same thing with people today. They say, oh, you know, do whatever you want. Nothing's going to happen. You just wait. You read what you sow. And yet the Bible says that, again, you read these verses of the Scripture about eight or nine times. Uh, I, I didn't count them directly, but they all in and he died. And it gives us an illustration of our mortality. And what mortality means is that we are all subject to death. When we talk about the mortality of man, we talk about that all of us are subject to death. No matter who you are, in fact, the minute you're born, you begin to die. Isn't that sad? (laughs) Ultimately, our destiny, unless Jesus comes tomorrow or in our lifetime, we're all going to die. Look at what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment of God. So we have to realize that once we die, judgment is coming. Accountability is coming. And because sin entered into the world, the Bible says death passes upon all men because of all the sin. And the wage of the sin is still death. Inflation does not affect the wage of the sin, okay? It's still death. Still the same thing. It's supposed to be kind of funny, but I guess it wasn't. And so the illustration, people said, ah, death's not funny. But anyway, these people, look at, I mean, these people lived for hundreds of years in this particular time in history. But no matter what, they still had the same human mortality. But then we read through, as you read through all the gloomy and mournful statements about death and they died, there is a bright spot. That emerges right in the middle. And it's found in verse 21 and all the way to verse 24. And it really starts off with Enoch. And it talks about this man by the name of Enoch and how long he lived. And then it talks about there was a difference in him because he did not die. And Genesis five twenty-four, it says, Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. So Enoch lived But never died. He was taken up. And we want to look at this man Enoch because it gives us an explanation of how it's possible for us to live and walk in proximity with God. It gives us an illustration. It, uh, again, his name appears at least three different times in Scripture. Uh, again, Hebrews chapter 11 that we read earlier, Genesis chapter 5, and he's also found in the book of Jude, verse number 4. If you've never read the book of Jude, it's the book right before Revelation. There are no chapters, it's basically one chapter. In verse number 14, it says that he was a prophet of God, and behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his of his saints. So he makes an appearance in Jude as the prophet of God. He is known as the man that walked with God. He is known as the man. Wouldn't it be good if you were known as a man or woman as a person that walked with God? If they mentioned your name and associated your name as walking with God. See, a lot of people, they die and their name is associated by who they were and what they did. If I said the name Hitler, you would automatically uh, think, uh, uh, you know, death. You would automatically think uh, uh, about a a, a murderer. You would automatically, his name is associated with something. But Enoch's name uh, is associated with walking with God. So let me read Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah. 300 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Other translations say, he disappeared. He could not be found. He was no more to be seen. Now, many times the word, or the name Enoch is is pronounced Enoch, uh, but I'm just going to pronounce it Enoch, whether you like it or not. You could be offended. I preached on that a couple of weeks ago and listened to that sermon. So God took Enoch, right? Right on. Isn't that funny? I preached in that sermon and somebody after service was already uh, uh, offended. But anyway, God took Enoch right, right on to heaven without him ever dying physically. He would just translate it right into heaven. I mean, nothing can be better said about a person who has so much faith with God and so much that he pleased God that God took him right into heaven. So what is the meaning of this walk with God that Enoch had? Because there's only two people in the entire Bible that is referenced as uh, walking with God. Enoch was one. that that said that he walked with God. Number two is another, his great-grandson, which was by the name of Noah. Both of them are mentioned as men who walk with God. Now, when we talk about walking with God, it is a figure of speech. It's talking about Intimate fellowship with God. It's talking about being in alignment with God. It's talking about having that friendship with God. And so, whenever we talk about walking with God, we are talking about a friendship and alignment with God and intimacy with God and having intimate fellowship with God. Now, have you ever thought of why God created you? A lot of people say, Well, God just created us to serve Him. No. He had angels, so he didn't need you. So he, you know, a lot of people say, well, God must have been bored. You know, he didn't know what else to do. He's kind of kicking cans and decided, oh, "I'll just create man. Or maybe he was playing with play None of those things actually happened. God created us for a purpose. Say purpose. And his purpose, believe it or not. Yes, we are serving God, but he he saved you or he created you more than just to serve him, but he really created us so that we could love and walk with him. He created us so that we can have a relationship with God. That's why it's so great uh, that when we uh, actually are walking with God, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. We tell people you may have religion, but religion won't get you to heaven. What you need is the relationship with God. You've got to learn how to walk with God. And so God wants you to know Him in a deep and personal way. In fact, uh, Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, The Lord has told you what is good, and this is what He requires of you to do what is right. In other words, do the righteous thing, to love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God, so to walk humbly with your God is to please God, as Enoch did. He pleased God. You know what the problem with many times is we we know about God, but many times we don't really know God. It's what we call the Christian atheist. You say, could there be a Christian atheist? They did a survey and they found that 10 people, or 7 out of 10 people say they believe in God. 6 out of 10 people believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Yet when you look at how people live, they're living a life that that does not reflect the teachings of Jesus. They're living as if and acting as if God doesn't exist. And there's many Christians like that. They say they're Christian. But their life doesn't reflect any of Jesus' teaching. They live as if God doesn't exist. You are a Christian atheist. When your life doesn't line up with God, when you're not following what God's saying, you're living your life as if God does not exist. You are a Christian atheist. You may know about God. You may know about the things of God. But when you really know God, you begin to follow in the footsteps Of God. Somebody say amen. Yeah, it got quiet in here. You know, honestly, you know what could be really wrong? You could be sitting here, and honestly, people could be sitting here nodding their heads that, yes, Pastor, that's good. Man, they can even compliment my message after church, but unfortunately, none of that makes you right with God. And a lot of people can know about the things of God, but not really have a personal relationship with God. Knowing about someone, even having knowledge of certain facts about that person does not mean that you have a relationship with that person. It's like many of us, you may know some public figures. You may even know uh, some, you know, some actors and some people that you know, come out on TV, whatever they may be, you say, oh, you know, I, yeah, they're, they're funny, you know, I, 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 you know, they talk, you may even know some of their stories and where they grew up and where they came from, uh, you may even have some idea about what colors they like and, and all these different things, but just because you know facts about them and knowledge about them doesn't mean you know them. Many of you know I have a brother that's an actor and comes out on movies and commercials. And, and many times when I'm watching him, I'm just kind of laughing because I'm thinking, that's not my brother, Ben, but he sure is acting pretty good, you know. <laughs> he's acting. He's, it's not really him, you know. It's like, oh, man, I've seen your brother. Like, he's acting, bro. He's not, that's not really him, you know. And they come up to him. Yeah, I've seen your movie, you know, 500 times and all this stuff. And, and I said, my brother, he did that movie years ago. That's not him. But they think they know him. And, you know, I've gone places and people say, hey, I know you, you know. You don't know him. You've seen him. You don't know this guy. And so uh, uh, the reason I say that is you you, you may have seen actors, but that doesn't mean you really know them. You can't have coffee with them and talk about their family and everything. Because you only know character that they portray, but you don't know them the same way it, it is with God. You may know about the things of God. You may even be in an atmosphere where God is, but it doesn't mean that you know God personally. See, many times we substitute religion for God. We don't really know him. Look at what the scripture says in Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man, what? Are ordered by the Lord. What does this mean? It means that we serve God, as we walk with God, We're following in his footsteps, and we're walking in accordance to the plan of God. How many understand today that God has a plan for you? That we're not supposed to live our life any way we want, do whatever we want. Hey, let the chips fall where they may. Whatever happens, happens. That's not how we live our life. You know, haphazardly, just kind of doing whatever we want. But God has a plan for your life. I said, God has a plan for your life. And the greatest discovery in life is not electricity, it's not gasoline, it's not air conditioning. The greatest discovery that you can ever make in your life is to know Jesus Christ and to know the plan of God for your life. Again, Psalm thirty-seven twenty-three: the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And what? And he delights in his way. See, I'm sure that Enoch... Love walking with God. But can I tell you, I believe God enjoyed walking with Enoch. Because the Bible says that he delights in his ways. In other words, he delights in the ways that you walk. God delights. He takes joy. The fact that you're walking with him and and your footsteps are according to his word. God delights in those ways. He takes pleasure in walking with you. Uh, and there's this intimacy with you and God. Are you with me? And look at the next verse. It says in Psalm thirty-seven twenty-four: Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. In other words, God knows that as we walk with him, we're not perfect. At some point, we're going to stumble. We may even fall. There may be moments in our life, even people in scripture, as great as these great men and women of God were, they fell, they stumbled, but thank God they didn't stay down. Can you say amen? In fact, another translation says, again, it says if they fall, they will not stay down because the Lord will help them up. And again, the steps of a good man, though he fall, shall not be utterly cast down, but the Lord upholds him. In other words, even if you've you've ever stumbled in life, God is the one that is holding you up. You may think sometimes you're holding on to God, but can I tell you, God's actually holding you up. He's holding on to you. I, I was reading this story about this father and his son that, They were ready to cross this uh, intersection, and uh, they were in such a place where he had to cross this main uh, intersection. had to cross that street. There were no lights. He had a little son with him, and so he looked both ways, uh, and uh, his son was really small, and so uh, they began to proceed to cross the street, and out of nowhere, this car came down flying like a bullet uh, with a Praise Chapel sticker. No, I'm just kidding. It came down. It was coming. It better not be you guys. It coming down flying. And so he, he, he gets his son by the hand really tight, puts his hand over his, and they run across the street. And basically, the son's feet barely kind of dangling, barely even touching the floor. They get to the other side of the street, uh, and he tells his daddy, Daddy, I held on, didn't I? And his dad says, Sure, you did. Yes, you did. See, a lot of us, we think, I held on to God. Can I tell you, God held on to you, man. You would have been down and out. You... You would have never made it across the street. I said, you would have never made it across the street. What do they call that on the street when something dies? What do they call that? Roadkill. roadkill. You'd have been roadkill. <laughs> Thank God we're not roadkill, huh? All right. Second thing, our motivation for walking. Look at what caused Enoch to walk with God. I believe there are three particular things that motivated Enoch to walk with God now, all of us this morning, there probably was something uh, there was the turning point in your life, whatever it may be, that caused you to walk with God. There might have been that aha moment that suddenly caused you to say, "You know what." I'm going to walk with God. Whatever that was and whatever order, a lot of us are different in our different times of life that caused us to walk with God. But I want to look at Enoch's walk with God and what was his turning point. And the first thing I I see here, the turning point in Enoch's life, uh, the reason what motivated him to walk with God was his family. Say family. Look at what it says in Genesis 5.21. Enoch lived... 65 years and he became the father excuse me of Methuselah now why would you name your son that I don't know man poor guy sometimes people's name they go why did they name you that anyway you ever notice about names I know it's Facebook but oh wow I better not tell this story but all right I'll tell you the story True story, I mean, even if she is ever listening, true story, there is this girl, and her, and her name, I won't tell you her name yet, and, 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 and uh, she, had, she had a sister named Fonda, and her dad wanted to have a name, another name that ram, uh, rhymed with her name, and so he liked Honda, so he said, I'm gonna name you La Honda. And that was her name, La Honda. She came to this church. I said, La Honda. I was just trying to think, is that like a foreign name? Is there something going on with this name? And then she said, Well, my dad liked Honda. She wanted my name to match with Fonda. So La Honda and Fonda. I said, Oh, that's cool. So, anyway, that's kind of how that works. Don't name your kid just because anyway, let me go on. So the Bible says, look at what it says here. We'll go into Methuselah's name. He does have a meaning here, though. In Genesis 5:22. Enoch walked with God after, look, at it says, after the birth of Methuselah for 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Now, it's really interesting that at the age of 65 years old, he had a son. And the Bible said that after the birth of his son, that he began to walk with God. See, I do believe that if you're a father, if you're a mother... You don't know what I'm talking about. There's something dramatically happens on the inside of you that when you have children, especially the first birth of your child, something happens. I I, I can't even begin to tell you, but something kind of turns in you. And I'll I'll get into that in just a moment. But what's really interesting is that, uh, can you imagine Enoch gets home and he's 65 years old, and Mrs. Enoch is in the corner. You know, she's knitting. And, and he says, hey, honey, what's going on? And she's knitting. He goes, hey, what are you knitting? And she kind of shows him, and it's a sweater, and it's a little sweater. He goes, hey, oh, that's a little, like a baby sweater. What's going on? He goes, are you going to a baby shower? She goes, no, no baby shower. He goes, what, what, why, why is that sweater so small? And he finally goes up to her, and, he, and she says, come here, I need, I need to talk to you. And she says, we're having a baby. He goes, you, me? I mean, how? You know, the, what do you mean how? Anyway, said, I'm 65 years old. Can you imagine, though, the excitement, I mean, the impact of what that must have made in his life? And I believe in even our own life today, and even when, uh, I'll just use my own life. When my first uh, born son, or my, my son, my oh." My firstborn, my son was born. Yeah, my firstborn was my son. Anyway, however that works. When he was born, you know, I remember when he was born, something kind of just, something happened in me. I I remember just thinking to myself, it's it's actually was like a a few months after uh, or right before we came to Paramount. And I remember thinking to myself, man, God, I I can't believe this. I, I have a son. And I said, Lord, if I don't ever do anything successful, even if I don't even have a successful church, help me to be a good father. And help me to lead my son to Jesus and that he will serve Jesus the rest of my life. If I never do anything good, let me do at least that. And that's been my prayer for all of my son's. Because something turned in me. See, something happened in me that I realized this responsibility. I realized that, you know what, there's something in me that I I have to be an example to my kids. uh, Something changed in me. It's almost like I jumped up to another maturity level. It's almost like, man, I became knowledgeable of my responsibility. That I'm not just living for myself anymore, but I'm living to be an example to somebody else. See, if that hasn't triggered in your life yet, it needs to. You need to stop thinking like a little high schooler. If you're a mom and you're a dad and you need to wake up and realize who you are and take responsibility and act like it. What amazes me is when we got moms and dads still acting like they're still in the streets and still acting like they grew up in high school. Honey, you're a mom. You're a dad. You don't live for yourself anymore. You have a responsibility. You need to have an aha moment. Because whatever you do, they're watching you. They're not dumb. They see what you're up to. They see what you're doing. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're clapping today. I'm offending people. I see that already. But that's okay. I read this quote and it said this. I hate to go to hell, but twice hell would be hell for me. If I went to hell and took one of my children with me. You're responsible to be an example to them. You're responsible to lead them to Jesus. You're responsible as a parent to show them the right way. And to be the example. And I just point the way, lead the way. I was reading this story. I'll read it to you about this one church member. Who went to talk to a man who. Didn't know the Lord, so his mission was to go to this man's house and share the gospel with him. And so he began to, this church member began to share the gospel with this man. He began to tell him about his testimony and what God did in his life. And and that man was kind of proud, you know. He was kind of a self-made man. He listened. He wasn't necessarily rude, but he kind of made excuses and and said, well, no, you know. And you know how typical excuses people make? Oh, too many hypocrites. Join the club you know uh, all these different things all these different excuses that people make church this church that you know all the preacher wants is your money you've heard all of those different things and and so they made all these excuses and finally uh, he the the church member you know had to leave but this man didn't get converted he didn't give his life to Jesus and the church member left and he was kind of brokenhearted. and uh, just then the little the man's son. With a little preschooler, he had he, heard everything that was happening. He crawled up to his daddy's lap. He put his arm around his daddy's neck and looked into his daddy's face and said, Daddy, we don't want to be a Christian, do we? We don't want to go to church, do we, Dad? And it was at that moment that man gave his life to Jesus. He realized the responsibility that he had to his children At that moment, he said, I need to make a change. Not only our family should turn us to God, but there ought to be a healthy fear of who God is. I believe fear caused Enoch to follow God. It says, again, Genesis chapter 5, verse 21, Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Now, the reason why I say his name, what does Methuselah mean? It means when he is gone, it will be sent. That's actually a prophetic name in Hebrew. In other words, uh, when he is gone or when he dies, it shall bring forth life. And basically, again, the scripture says that Enoch was a prophet, that Enoch had this prophetic vision I believe God was showing Enoch the flood that would come that was going to come later on. Remember, later the flood comes. And so Enoch, being this prophet of God, knowing somehow God gave him a a revelation, he said, I'm going to name my son. When he is gone, it will come forth. And do you know, after Methuselah died, the flood came. In fact, the Bible says, Genesis 5, 27, so all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. He's the oldest man in the Bible. Why did Methuselah live so long? Because of the mercy of God. Why has it been so long since Jesus has promised to come back? When is he coming back, Pastor? We've heard all these things. I'm here to tell you, God has not forgotten his promise. I'm here to tell you, he's not forgotten his promise. He keeps his promises. Amen. But God is merciful. Look at what it says in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow concerning his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient with us because he does not want any of us to perish or, or fall in the sand or, or die, but all to come to repentance. So I want to tell you that God right now it's not wanting to destroy the earth. It's not wanting to bring judgment to the earth, but he's keeping that judgment in reservation before Jesus comes to give you more of an opportunity to get saved because God's patient in his grace and his mercy. He's given you more time. He's given this earth more time. And that's why 969 years after the birth of Methuselah, Oh, amen. Uh, after, he, uh, after 969 years, then he died, the flood came. If you look at that scripture, you'll find that when Methuselah had his grandson, Noah, that Noah actually, after Noah was 600 years old. Could you imagine having an uncle that's 600 years old? Thank, thank God for Uncle Noah, man. 600 years old. And the Bible says when he was 600 years old in the book of Genesis, chapter 7, it says, In the 600 year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the seventh day of the month, on the day all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain fell upon the earth 40 days. 49. When did the flood came? When Noah was 600 years old. Remember he was born to Methuselah so he came right after or the flood came right after Methuselah died then the flood came when Noah was 600 years old because God was using it as the warning to say you know what judgment is coming I'm being merciful and I want you to know before Jesus comes he's having mercy on us and on this earth uh, and we need to be ready. See, if you look at the prophetic calendar, there's a lot of things that are lining up. It's coming it's getting closer. Turn to someone and say, he's coming soon. Get ready. You know, you may say, well, you know, I don't believe fear is a good motive. Well, I don't believe unhealthy fear is a good motive because unhealthy fear is like wanting to cause intimidation and cause people to fail i don't believe in unhealthy fear there's evidence of unhealthy fear but i'm talking about a healthy fear and you may say what is, is there's such thing as a healthy fear this, yes there is the bible says in psalm twenty-five fourteen, the secret of the lord is with those who fear him and he will show him or show them his covenant proverbs nine ten, the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom Medical doctors use fear. They'll tell you, you keep smoking, you keep up, you keep doing that, your lungs are gonna get contaminated, man, you're gonna slow down, it'll kill you, all kinds of disease will help you. They use fear. It's not a bad fear, it's a healthy fear. They're trying to warn you, trying to tell you, you keep living this way, you don't wanna eat properly and all that, sooner or later, you're gonna get other sicknesses and diseases. Right? They warn you. They're giving you a fear. Uh, they'll tell you police will give you warning. There's warning all over. Don't drink and drive. Why? Because you get arrested. DUI. Get, take away your license. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Don't raise your hand. All of these things happen, right? The wages of sin is death. Again, that's a fear to tell you that sin will kill you. And so God was warning man through Methuselah. Through that generation, that judgment was going to come, and God used Enoch to see that revelation. Number, four, number three, faith caused him to walk with God. The Bible says it was by faith that Enoch walked with God. He was a man who lived by faith in God. He basically, to him, God was real. It wasn't somebody or something that the peach preacher preached about. Sometimes many people sit here and they go, oh, yeah, that's the God that Pastor Omar talks about. Yeah, that's all. No, you need to put faith in God. Uh, I can tell you about God, but you need to need to know him personally and have a personal relationship with him. God needs to be real to you. See, you can believe all the facts of the Bible and still die and go to hell. You say, is that possible? I mean, I believe in the Bible. I believe in God. But if you don't have a personal relationship with God, you can believe all you want. Look at what it said, James chapter 2, verse 19. You believe that there is one God, you do well. The demons also believe and they tremble. So unless you put your faith and trust in God, your belief means nothing. We can say we believe, but if we don't put our faith and trust in God, then belief is just a word. Belief is just something we say. Are you listening to me? Getting quiet in here. See, if you don't know the Lord as your savior, then you're lost. And let me just tell you, hell is not going to just be filled with people from the street. Hell is going to be filled with people that came to church. Because they never made a real commitment to God. They never surrendered. They never put their faith and trust in God. It was all mouth. But it wasn't from here. There was no change or transformation. There was no personal walk with God. And you won't be able to blame the preacher and say, well, the preacher never said, no, the preacher's saying it today. You hear me? I'm preaching it to you today. Today's your day. So if you haven't repented, we're going to have an altar call in just a moment. I'll give you an opportunity. The Bible says this, Genesis 522, Enoch walked with God after the birth of Methuselah for what? for 300 years and he had other sons and daughters. So he just didn't walk with God for a little while. He didn't just walk with God for just a short time, but he walked with God for centuries. 300 years he was consistent in his walk with God. Some of you, man, you, you always want you just want to give up. You know, after five years, you know, I'm done walking. we got five years, really? Lightweight, man. Weak sauce. Weak sauce. You know, right, I'm going to give up. Ooh, come on, weak sauce. Come on. <laughs> this guy did it consistently, raised his family, provided for his family in the midst of everything. That Do you realize that he was living in a very, very wicked society? It was the days of Noah. Remember, Noah was already alive. So the Bible talks about, Jesus talks about, as the days of Noah so shall, shall the end of time be. In other words, when it becomes wicked and perverted that way, he goes, no, man, birth pains are coming. Know that my coming is soon. Jesus warns us about that in Matthew 28. He goes, as the days of Noah. So here's Enoch living during the days of Noah. Remember, that's his grandson, but he's raising his family. He's doing in the midst of that environment. See, a lot of people say, well, it's my environment. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Stop making excuses my environment man if I could you know if I could just get out of LA I'll do good man I I need to go to Texas I need to go to Arkansas problem when you go there you take you with you and that's the same problem the same thing doesn't change we take us with us wherever we go with the man if the environment was different can I tell you something Adam and Eve lived in the perfect environment and they still messed up it was perfect There's nobody else around but just them two. And God, and they had everything, and they still screwed up. Don't talk about the perfect environment. You know, it's the daily grind. It's the daily walk with God. See, if it won't work here, it won't work there. If it's not working for you because it's not God's problem, it's you got a problem, you don't want to surrender it. And so Enoch, he walked with God. He was walking with God in that, in, in that society, in the, in, in the tension. A lot of us think, man, these days they're evil. It's so hard, man. Look at the culture. It was more evil and, and more bad back then. Don't be a weak sauce. Anyway, news Newsflash news flash to you. Man, and of course, you know, coronavirus. Get over the coronavirus, okay? Just get over it. Oh, my gosh, man. I almost, I almost got mugged on, on Friday. i tell you that story. I was at, at Sam's Club. I grabbed the, like, the, there were three toilet paper. I only went got toilet paper because we ran out of toilet paper. <laughs> Not that I was in a panic. I said, we actually need toilet paper. I go, really? I go, oh, my goodness. So I went to Sam's Club, and there were three toilet papers there. So I grab one but there's all kinds of people behind me and this lady behind me grabbed two of them. And all and the other people they're mad, man. Everybody's mad. They're all mad dogging me like, oh, "I can't believe you." I said, "I was here. I grabbed that. I didn't <laughs> I didn't like get in front of nobody. It was right there. I grabbed, put it in my cart." <laughs> oh my goodness. And you know what? I almost did my oh, this was, you guys want to know what I did? I don't know, with all the confusion going on, I thought, you know what? I don't even think I grabbed toilet paper. I thought I I grabbed paper towels. So I I told my wife, hey, baby, I got some toilet paper. And I go, or she goes, hey, did you grab the uh, toilet paper? I go, yeah. I go, no, you know what? I think it's paper towels, so I'm going to put them back. And my wife goes, no, no, no. And there's these people like squirming, running, or making a beeline to where I'm at. They weren't running, but they were coming toward it, and I and then I put it back in my car. <laughs> it's all accidental, believe me. I didn't mean to do it on purpose. And I was gonna get double mugs <laughs> after that one. Why did I? Why am I talking about that? So here, let me give you a news flash, okay? A lot of people say, "Well, I can't serve God because I got too many problems." Okay, number one. I've got them too. Number two, you've got them. And number three, we all got them. Can you say amen? Amen. Nobody lives without problems. (laughs) Enoch lived in a very ungodly society. He lived in a time where it was ungodly, but yet the Bible says he served God for 300 years consistently. You can do it. If he could do it for 300 years, come on, you can do it for 70, 75, 80 years. You can do this. This man was consistent in his walk with God. Now, we can't do it without Christ. We need Christ in us. It's not something that we do by ourselves. God has to empower your life. Are you with me? I was reading this story about this guy who went by a nuclear power plant. He was asking a guy that worked there. He said, how do you guys generate all that power and all that electrical energy. He was talking to the man that worked there. The man said, we don't produce any power here. He goes, what do you mean? I, mean, I see all these power lines. You guys produced all this power. And he said, uh, no, we don't produce any power. He said, mister, I know that you produce power because I can see all these things. And he said, no, he goes, uh, the power, we don't produce any power. We release the power. He said, the power is already in the uranium. We just learned how to release it. Can I just tell you something today? The power is the indwelling power of Christ in you. You didn't produce the power. It's his power in you. You need to release it in faith, and you need to release it in your walk with God. Power is already in you. You just need to release it in your walk with God. You need to begin to activate it. Friend, it doesn't, you know. It, it, walking with God, it's it not something special that I do. Oh, Pastor, because you're a pastor, you can No, no, I'm a person just like you. We have feelings, emotions, just like. But I've learned how to release God's power and faith and believe God. You could do the same thing. You could walk with God. All of us today, we can walk by faith. We can please God just like Enoch did. Faith was the key. And release the energy or the power of the Holy Spirit within him to be able to do it. If I can have the worship team come up. The Bible said, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And he was not found because God translated him. God took him into heaven. We believe that one day there's going to be that rapture of the church. Where those that believe in Christ, the Bible says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And those, those that which are alive will be caught up to meet him in the air. And when the coming of Christ comes, those that have already died will be resurrected. And those that are alive will be caught up in a moment. in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says, will be changed just like that. I think looking at Enoch's life is, is a good illustration of what that's going to look like. He was gone. They couldn't find him anymore. That's God coming back. That's Jesus coming back to get his people. That's the coming of Christ today. You don't want to miss that. You want to be ready when that happens. So I want us to bow our heads, close our eyes in reverence to God. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Prairie Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, Follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.